The following message entitled, The Spirit of Adoption, part of the series, A Righteousness from God, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 13th of July, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. My name is Mark. I'm also one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace. If I haven't met you yet, grateful you would spend your morning with us. Thank you for coming. Have an announcement. The Young Adult Bible Study, which normally meets at the church building after the service, will meet at Sean McGochran's house today at 12.30. If you need to get Sean's address, you can text him or call him at 724-541-0563. That's 724-541-0563. Sean, where are you? Sean in the room? He's probably serving with Kids Cove or something. Okay, you can text him at 724-541-0563. Lunch will be served there as well. And uh, if you have any other questions, you can find out in the lobby afterwards, I'm sure. Um, I don't know about you. I know I'm biased. I know I'm prejudiced. And I know there are, are other great worship teams around. But I, I just, our worship team is just, I'm so grateful for them. Didn't they do just a great job this morning? Man. They worked, they worked so hard to serve us. I'm so grateful for them. All right. We are going to be in Romans 8 this morning. Ben started Romans 8 last week and we'll be there a couple more Sundays after this. Today's message is called The Spirit of Adoption. The Spirit of Adoption. Many Christians don't know much about the Holy Spirit. I heard one man say that to many, the Holy Spirit is like the weird uncle we really don't want to talk about. You know, we, 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 we know the Holy Spirit, but we just can't seem to... Is, who is He? Is, some think the Holy Spirit is a force or a power, but the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person in the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit. And He is active in the lives of believers. He wants to be active in your life. He leads us. He guides us. He comforts. He counsels. He convicts of sin. He produces good fruit in our lives. And in Romans 8, which we began to look at last week, it mentions the Holy Spirit 19 times. He gives life. In Romans 8 alone, it says He gives life. He leads us. He empowers us to conquer sin. He brings us into God's family. He helps us. And He intercedes for us. And so we're going to look at the work of the Spirit in today's passage, which is verses 12-17. through 17. So let's read this together. So then, brothers... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, 
if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You said that it was, it was better that You go away because then You would send the Spirit. He would take up residence in each believer. Lord, please teach us this morning from Your Word. Open the eyes of our hearts to see wonderful things in Your Word. Lord, encourage us. Give hope to those who are hopeless. Give hope to those who are battling sin. Give hope to all of us. And stir us with joy that we are children of God and heirs with Christ. Lord, we just ask You to do great things through Your Word, by Your Spirit, in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. The Holy Spirit is active in the lives of believers. He empowers us. He leads us. And He brings us into God's family. Those are the three things we want to focus on in this passage. He empowers us. He leads us. And He brings us into God's family. So first of all, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Before Jesus rescued us from our sins, we were debtors to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. We were slaves of sin under its power and unable to stop sinning. We lived according to our nature, which was the flesh. Fallen human nature. That's what we were. That's who we were. That was our identity. And that's how we lived. But, when God causes someone to be born again, the Holy Spirit comes into them, comes into us, and breaks the power of sin to enslave us. And He gives us His own power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God Himself to obey God. Paul says that now by the Spirit. When he says, by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body. By the Spirit means by the power that the Holy Spirit supplies, we can put to death the deeds of the body and, he says, you will live. We'll have life. We can stop sinning. We can put to death unrighteous anger. We can kill lust and impurity. We can crucify pride. We can stop coveting what other people have. We can kill discontentment and grumbling and selfishness and self-pity and self-absorption. And we can truly experience victory and live real life 
A life that this world can't offer. We can live lives that glorify God. We can live lives of joy and serving others. We can live lives of contentment. Lives of fruitfulness. How can Ian and Larissa live the way they do and glorify God the way they do by the power of the Holy Spirit? Couples like them are so rare, so unusual because we just don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to live lives that will glorify God. But now we can. Now we have a choice. We are not debtors to the flesh. Before we didn't have a choice. Now we have a choice. Sin remaining in us will tempt us and seek to make us obey its desires. We're still battling sin. As long as we have these bodies of flesh, there will be sin in these bodies. It's no longer our dominant nature, but it's still there, and it still seeks to exercise its desires in us. But we don't have to obey it. We've got to remember something. Verse 13 says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, we have a choice as believers. Before we didn't have a choice. Now, we have a choice. We can live according to the Spirit, or we can still give in to the flesh. We can still live according to the flesh. And if we do, we will experience death. We will experience consequences. We can't just sow to our flesh and expect nothing to happen. We'll kill our joy. We'll kill our peace. Now, I don't want to do that. I want to have joy. I want to have life. So if we, if we live according to the flesh, you will die. In other words, if we live a life of sin, if we live consistently giving into the flesh, that doesn't mean if we live according to the flesh that if we sin unintentionally, we die. I mean, because we're battling sin all the time, we'll still fail, we'll still sin. But it means if we're living a life, if we live according to the flesh, we will experience death. So we have to put to death the deeds of the body. We have to, as the Puritans say, mortify our sinful cravings. We have to do that. We have to put it to death by the Spirit who gives us the power to do that. Well, how do we put to death the deeds of the body? How do we put to death? Well, first of all, a couple, couple ways. Flee from temptation. Avoid temptation. Don't put yourself in tempting situations. Turn from it. Get out of there. Shut off the TV. Get up. Walk out of the theater. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Don't, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be tempted to sexual immorality. Flee! That means run! Get the heck out of there! Don't, go as, don't get as close to the edge of the cliff as you can. If I, if I was hiring a tractor-trailer truck to carry my most valuable possessions, I wouldn't say, hey, drive as close to the edge of that cliff as you can. I'd say, stay away from the edge of the cliff. So we have to flee temptation. You know how Eve got into trouble? 
by engaging in a conversation with Satan, and then by looking at the fruit. It says in Genesis, it says the fruit was desirable. It looked like it was desirable. See, if you, if you don't flee, if you get involved, you start talking, you start looking at it, that's how it happens. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about a young man who walks into temptation. He wanders out into the neighborhood of the adulterous woman in the evening near her house. Just kind of wants to see what's happening. Maybe I'll run into her. And there she is. And she's got her makeup on. And she's dressed seductively. And she says, hey, come over to my place. So he, gets, he starts talking to her. He doesn't flee. He just kind of engages. And she says, hey, my husband's gone on a long trip. Come over. You know what I've done? I put some perfume on my bed. Oh, it smells great. Come on over. And then, verse 22, it says, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's, that's, that's a pretty serious verse. Little does he know, it will cost him his life. He doesn't flee temptation. He doesn't put sin to death. Instead, he flirts with it. Winds up costing him his life. So, flee temptation. Pray. Pray. This is how we put sin to death. Pray. If you're tempted to anger or lust or tempted to steal something or lie, pray, Jesus, help me now. Help me right now. Help me not to get angry. Jesus, help me. Make me pure. Jesus, please give me self-control. Jesus, help me not to complain. Help me to rejoice. Turn to Jesus. Ask Him for help. He's waiting to help us. Jesus said to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, He said, here's what you pray. As the prayer goes on, He says, deliver us from temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, please keep me from sinning. And then set your mind on God's Word. Set your mind on God's Word. You have to be regularly taking in God's Word and setting your mind on it. So you're in a situation at work. Someone is confronting you. Someone's criticizing you. And you're feeling temptation to just blast them back. And you set your mind on God's Word. And you say, Lord, thank You. I remember Your Word says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Your Word says, God gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So help me to listen humbly to this person. Help me hear, hear my wife as my wife is talking and I just want to say something back right now. But, oh yeah, what about you? How many times have you lost the keys? You know, God says, God gives grace to the humble. Okay, I'll try to put them there where you would like them. Dumb illustration, I know. I used to, I used, every time I used to lose my keys, I would accuse Christy and then I'd find them in my coat pocket. So now I just say, Christy, why did you hide the keys in my coat pocket? Set your mind on God's Word. Set your mind on God's Word as much as you can. In every situation, it will help you put sin to death. That's what we're doing. We're denying these sinful urges and following the Spirit. So remember this. Remember, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit empowers us to put to death the deeds of the body. The Holy Spirit will give you all the power you need to crucify sin. Secondly, the Holy Spirit leads us. He empowers us and He leads us. Verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you are a son of God, a daughter of God, if you have believed in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit, God Himself, the One with all wisdom, will lead you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great? Isaiah 30 says this, For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as He hears it, He answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, Be gone. Your ears shall hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides us. He speaks to us. He says, This is the way. Walk in it. Don't do that. Don't head towards that temptation. This is the way. Walk in it. Love this person. Pray, seek me to be able to love this person who has offended you. This is the way. Lay down your life right now when this person is asking you to serve and you don't want to. This is the way. He convicts us. He warns us. He, he directs us. He, he puts ideas in our head. He said, Here's one of my favorite all-time Bible verses. I say this to the Lord all the time. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I regularly say that to the Lord. I say, Lord, I have no idea what to do here, but You have promised to instruct me and lead me and show me in the way I should go. You said You would counsel me with Your eye upon me. You said You would teach me and instruct me. So please do that now. Give me wisdom. I need Your counsel, Lord. And I have... I have great confidence somehow God has given me faith in that verse. I have total confidence. I, you know, we all have different gifts and God gives people different strengths. And for some reason, I have such great confidence in that verse that there have been many times when, when Christy and I have not known what to do. And I said, Christy, I, I know one thing. God is going to show us what to do because He has promised I will counsel you with my eye upon you. John 14, 25 and 26, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit counsels us. He brings God's Word back to our minds. We need to be taking in God's Word on a regular basis so that the Holy Spirit can remind us of that. You know, I, at times, you know, because uh, like we're all tempted, I'm tempted to grumble and complain, but the Holy Spirit, because 
I've read God's Word. He will bring back to me, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 You know, when I'm tempted to be anxious or worry about something, the Holy Spirit brings to my mind, you keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3 So as, as you take in God's Word, you may say, I didn't feel any fireworks this morning. Seemed like I was just reading the Bible. I was tired. I was drinking my coffee. I worked my way through it. I'm trying to be faithful. You know what? Very often, you may not feel like you're getting anything out of it for right then, but the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you later. So, the Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us to kill sin. He leads us to obey God. He'll tell us at times, like I said, don't do this. Turn away from this. But if we repeatedly ignore Him, we can continually tune Him out. We won't notice His voice as much. That's why we have to keep sowing to the Spirit. Galatians 6.8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap life. So if we sow to the flesh, it gets stronger. If we sow to the Spirit of God, every act of obedience, every time we obey the Lord, it will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit, we will reap. So the Holy Spirit leads us. And this passage says that sons of God follow the Spirit. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, I want to I throw this out and may challenge some of you, but if you say you're a Christian and yet you continually and willfully live according to the flesh, you might want to question if you're really a believer. Because this says all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I'm not talking about fighting sin and failing now and then and you know even failing every day, but you get back up and you're still trying to fight sin. I'm talking about if you're willfully, regularly giving yourself to sin. If you're living according to the flesh. It says all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You don't... If you're constantly led by your flesh, you might want to ask yourself, what's going on here? Because the Spirit leads the sons and daughters of God. He leads us to to take in God's Word. He leads us to love others. He leads us to serve and care about others. He leads us to fellowship with other believers. He leads us to be zealous for good deeds and to do righteous deeds. And He leads us into purity and holiness He leads us to turn away from evil. He leads us to humble ourselves. He leads us to forgive others and ask forgiveness. So are you being led by the Spirit of God? I bet bet most of you can think of even a time recently when you were led by the Spirit of God. When you just had this thought, you know what, I think I'll call up this brother and see how he's doing. I think I'll call up this sister. I know she's going through a tough time. See how she's doing. You're... That's evidence that you're a son of God, a daughter of God. Because the Holy Spirit just does that. 
Now the Holy Spirit also brings us into God's family. Verse 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Verse 15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. See, the whole Christian life is a life of joy and freedom and gladness. It's not a life of bondage and slavery and fear of punishment. Before Jesus saved me, I thought that being a Christian was about trying to keep all the rules like a slave. And if you didn't, there was fear. I, I had a fear of going to hell because I knew I was breaking the rules. I had a fear of punishment. Like God was just waiting for me to break one of His rules so He could punish me. And when I tried to live like that, it was the spirit of slavery. It was the spirit of slavery. But what spirit do believers receive? We didn't receive a spirit of slavery, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This means that the Holy Spirit brings us into an intimate relationship with God. And by the Spirit, we can call God Father. By the Spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this does not mean Daddy. It's a term of intimacy with God. It means Father. This was, this was a term Jesus used as an adult. When Jesus was an adult, He said, Abba, Father. It was a term of intimacy with God as His Father. And God, the Holy Spirit, brings us into that kind of relationship with God. Isn't isn't that incredible? I mean, think about it. It would have been the most amazing thing in the universe for God just to wipe our sins away. Just to forgive us of our multitudes of sin. And just to let us go to heaven. But, he says, no, that's, that's, that's not all I'm going to do. I'm going to make you my son and daughter. I'm going to bring you into my family. Before Jesus saved me, I prayed at times, but I never called God Father. I would say, oh, oh God, if you would do this, God, please do that. When Jesus saved me, the Spirit began to put it into me to know God as Father. I know that you, you know, know it the same way. It's an incredible thing that we can say our Father in Heaven. That we can call the Creator of the universe 
The infinite One. The glorious One. The One who has no beginning and no end. The One who is so great that there will always be things that only He knows about Himself. In His infinite greatness and glory, we could call Him Father. We're children of God. Children. The Spirit of adoption. We're not just members of a club. This isn't the Christian club we're coming to on Sundays. We're part of the family of God. He is our Father. God has an intense interest in us, love for us, care for us as our Father. He has plans for us as, as His children. The God of the universe will provide for us and protect us. Intense interest. You know how it is. Those of you who have children... You know, we, we, if somebody's going to do something to our children, somebody does something to a family member. I remember years ago, Christy took our son, Stephen, he was young then, to a hotel to a photographer. Remember, I don't know if they still do that. Remember, companies would get a, a room in a hotel and they'd set up and you'd go there and take family pictures and, and, and this woman was very rude to my wife and actually at one point, and my son too, and actually at one point this woman pushed my wife and she fell backwards and fell down on the bed. And when I found out about that, I've shared this before, but when I found out about that, I called the state police. I said, what can we do here? What charges can we make? This is my family here. This is my family. This is my wife. This is my son. I called the president of the company, the photography company. I said, hey, something needs to be done about this woman who pushed my wife and who mistreated my son. I said, I, I'm calling, I'll call 2020. I'll call Channel 4. I'm going to call the Better Business Bureau. I'll call Mike Wallace. <laughs> and so, ten minutes later, the president of the company calls me back and he says, I just want you to know I fired that woman. I said, well, I, I wasn't asking you to fire her. I just, I, you know, so eventually she, I went back, she asked our forgiveness, she apologized, and she got to keep her job. But the point is, is if I felt that intensely about somebody doing something to my family, my son having a bad experience, my wife having a bad experience, the God who is our Father is intensely concerned about you. He is intensely concerned for you. And so when we read Scriptures like cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you, God is not far off. God is not distant. God is not way up in heaven. God is saying, I can't, I can't quite hear what you're saying. You're so little down there. God is right here as our Father. He cares about you. Knowing God as Father assures us that He's full of mercy and tenderness to us as, our, as His children. And the spirit of adoption brings us into the family of God. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon, listen to how the pray, famous preacher prayed when he was suffering. He said, when I was racked some months ago with pain to an extreme degree so that I could no longer bear it without crying out, I asked all to go from the room and leave me alone. And then I had nothing I could say to God but this. Thou art my Father, and I am Thy child. And Thou as a Father art tender and full of mercy. I could not bear to see my child suffer as You make me suffer. 
And if I saw him tormented as I am now, I would do what I could to help him and put my arms under him to sustain him. Will you hide your face from me, my father? Will you still lay on a heavy hand and not give me a smile from thy countenance? So I pleaded and I ventured to say when I was quiet and they came back who watched me, I shall never have such pain again from this moment for God has heard my prayer. I bless God that ease came and the racking pain never returned. Now, when I read that, I, I pray like that now. Now, that doesn't mean that God automatically takes away anything I'm going through, but it, it helps me. I say, Father, You're my Father. If, 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 if this was my Son, I would do everything I could to relieve Him, so please help me, Father. I try to pray like Spurgeon. I also trust Him that He knows what's best, and if He doesn't take it away from me, then I trust that He's my loving Father. But I, I remind myself that He is my Father. And He cares for us. He cares for you. And the Holy Spirit assures us that we're children of God. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, first of all, God's Word assures us that when we believe in Jesus, when we call upon Him to save us, that God's Word promises that He will save us and that God becomes our Father. He adopts us. But the Holy Spirit also assures us. He bears witness with our spirit. When I first called upon God to save me, I had not read the Bible much. I said this prayer, and as I've shared before, I was expecting fireworks, and there was nothing. No goosebumps, nothing. I, I, I prayed, and, but some, somehow, deep down inside, I really believed something had happened. But over the years, the Spirit of God has given me a deep assurance that I'm a child of God. And He wants to do that. He does that for every believer. He assures us. He gives us a, a deep assurance that we are children of God. And if I'm God's child, then God is for me. And He will always be faithful to me. And I know that as my loving Father, He's working all things together for my good, even when I don't understand Him, even when it hurts, even when I just, you know, I can't see how God is working. The Holy Spirit has assured me that I'm a child of God. And then the Spirit assures us that we are heirs. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Many, many in this church have adopted children. Christy and I adopted two children in addition to our three natural children. And for families who adopt, the adopted children are full family members and are heirs just as much as the natural children. And when Christy and I die, if we have anything left to leave our children, it will be divided up equally among them all. They're all heirs. And that's what God does for us. He says, you're not simply 
children of God now. You're heirs. All that's mine I give to you. And God is rich. Pretty rich. Owns everything. God says, all that's mine is yours. You're going to inherit it. I'm like a father. I'm giving everything that's mine to my kids. All of heaven is yours. All the riches of God. It says we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And as Christ is God's Son, now we're sons. Christ is the natural Son. We're the adopted sons. But we're all heirs. It's, this is incredible. It would have been enough just to forgive our sins and just let us squeak into heaven. <laughs> but He says we're heirs. Who can fathom? We share. We share in Christ's inheritance and rewards. He did it all. We did nothing. What did we do? We sinned. We, we rejected God. We spit in God's face. We said no thanks. Jesus did it all. He came down. He gave His life. He emptied Himself to make us rich, the Bible says. He became poor to make us heirs. Jesus, how come I get to share in your inheritance? I didn't do anything. (laughs) You did it all. And the Holy Spirit assures us of this, brings us into this, all because God loves us so much. Now the road, the road to our inheritance does involve passing through the waters of suffering. So Paul says, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And so next week we'll hear about how God is with us and assures us and, and carries us even in suffering But this week, let's just rejoice that God has given us His Holy Spirit to empower us to put sin to death. He has given us His Holy Spirit to lead us. We're not trying to navigate this complicated life on our own. We've got the Spirit of God to lead us. And the Holy Spirit, let's rejoice this week that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of adoption, has brought us into such a close relationship with God that we can call Him Abba, Father. And we're heirs with Christ. You're a bunch of rich people, you know that? Oh, God is good. Let's pray. Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am. I just know that I can't even comprehend all this. But thank you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for freeing us from slavery to sin and giving us the power to put it to death. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us and guiding us. Thank you for bringing us into the family of God. Father, Father, we we love You. We praise You. We thank You that You're a loving Father who cares intensely about us. We love You, Lord. Thank You for pouring out Your riches upon us. 
We just love You, Lord. We love You, Father. Love You, Lord Jesus. Love You, Holy Spirit. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.